Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. I don't know about you, but I love to read the lesser known stories in the Bible. And one of them is about a man named Naaman. And in 2 Kings 5, we read that Naaman was a general in the Syrian army. And he lived about 850 years before Christ. And God's story about General Naaman is a picture of ourselves. Because at a certain moment in your life, you will begin to think that God owes you an explanation. God, why did you do that? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why do you expect that from me? Why don't the bad things just stop? And why do I have to be a good steward? Why do your standards have to be my standards? Why do I have to be honest? I mean, I'm the only one in my circle of friends who is truthful. Why should I stay in a tough marriage? And the questions never stop. And we are essentially saying, God, before I go any further down this path, I need to know what you're trying to do before I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. And in 2 Kings 5, verse 1, we meet Naaman who was a top war hero. He was someone who had great power, great influence, and even great riches. He was also a very close friend of the king, but there was a problem. He had leprosy. And in verse 2, we see a huge contrast. Verse 1 introduces us to two of the world's most important people at that time, the king of Syria and Naaman, the king's general. Then verse 2 shines a spotlight on one of the most unimportant people in the world, an anonymous foreign slave girl who is captured in one of the many raids of the Assyrian army. We don't even know her name, but she's now a part of Naaman's household and has become the servant of Naaman's wife. And the fact that she had great faith and that she loved the people who took her captive would probably make a whole sermon by itself. But in verse 3, we can feel the compassion she has for her master. I just wish that General Naaman would go see the prophet in Samaria. He knows how to cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman thinks this is a pretty good idea. So he says to his friend the king, Hey, I would love to try what this little slave girl has suggested. So the king says, Sure, by all means, go. So the king writes a letter to the king of Israel. Now, why would he do that? Because the king assumes that if anyone exists who could truly cleanse a person from leprosy, it either had to be the king himself, because sometimes kings were considered to be a god, or if it wasn't the king, it had to be someone who was of extreme importance, who obviously would be employed by or be a part of the king's court or staff. And even though Naaman clearly told him that he wanted to go see the prophet, who was Elisha, the king of Syria is going to send him to the king of Israel. Now, don't forget that the prophet was in Samaria. And Samaria was one of the three provinces of Israel. That's Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. So, along with the letter, the king sends 10,000 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Why? Well, remember Syria and Israel weren't really good friends. 
(laughs) and not much has changed over the years. So in the back of the king's mind, he's thinking, maybe, just maybe, with all these gifts, this could be a starting point for peace between our two nations. Now, I don't know if those gifts seem odd to you, but they do to me. Silver? Gold? Yep, makes total sense. But why clothes? Because clothing in that day was very expensive. And everything was hand-sewn, because sewing machines just didn't exist back then. So off they go to see the king of Israel. And a small army is now approaching the city. How do we know that? Well, because Naaman couldn't personally carry 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothes by himself. He had to have lots of help. And I'm sure when the people saw General Naaman and the number of people with him approaching the city, they were thinking, "Uh uh-oh, hide the women and the children and the valuables, because here comes the enemy. So they come into the city, then into the presence of the king, and he gives the letter to the king, and he reads it. Now, you'd think with all the gifts that Naaman brought, that the king would be happy to receive all those gifts. But in verse 7, the king reads the letter, and he sees General Naaman, the gifts, all the people with him, and the letter itself as a personal attack. And the letter said, Here's my servant, Naaman. Please heal him of leprosy. And his response was, Say what now? How can I do that? Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I mean, why is this man asking me to cleanse someone of leprosy? And the king had no personal relationship with the prophet Elisha. And so he thought the king of Syria was just trying to provoke him to go to war. He's thinking, the king of Syria doesn't have the courage to start a war. So he's using his sick and dying general to make me start the war. And so he tears his clothes. And that's what they did in that culture when they were overwhelmed or in great distress. So it's a good thing that Naaman brought all those extra clothes because now he's going to need them. And in verses 8 and 9, Elisha hears about the king tearing his clothes and he sends a messenger to say, hey, 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 what are you doing that for? There's no need to get upset. Don't do that. Just send the man to me and when I'm done, he'll know that there is someone who speaks God's truth in Israel. Now, Elisha lived in a rather unpopulated area, not really close to the city. So Naaman and all of his helpers who are carrying the gold, silver, and clothes, and all the horses, the chariots, everything and everyone, heads to Elisha's house. So now Naaman and everyone is standing at the door of Elisha's home. And while we don't see it specifically in the verse, it kind of hints to the fact that Elisha wasn't home. So in verses 10 and 11, they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. And then finally, someone shows up. But it's not Elisha. It's a messenger. And Naaman gets pretty annoyed. And he thought, I've come all this way. Surely Elisha would have the courtesy to come and meet me. But it's only a messenger. And the message that the messenger gives him makes him even more ticked. He told Naaman to go and wash himself seven times in the Jordan River. Then, and only then, will you be cleansed of your leprosy. And now he is fuming mad. So, try to imagine what's happening right now. A very successful general in the Syrian army 
is now going to be told what to do. And he certainly wasn't accustomed to that. A general usually gives the orders. And Naaman is thinking, what, what just happened here? That guy told me to go dunk myself seven times in the river. And I know it's a long trip out here, but I don't need a bath. I need to be cleansed of leprosy. I want my life back. Dunk myself seven times in a river. That's just stupid. This has been a complete waste of my time. And verse 11 is probably my favorite verse in the whole story. He had a preconceived idea about how the leprosy was going to disappear. Naaman expected Elisha to call upon the name of the Lord, wave a magic wand, one, two, three, poof, the leprosy is gone. He had it all worked out in his mind how this was going to go down. Read that verse a couple of times and let it sink in. So just like the king of Israel took the letter and the gifts as a personal offense, Naaman took the message from Elisha as a personal offense. And in verse 12, he just starts muttering, well, the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, are certainly better and broader than this little muddy Jordan River. Go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. That man is insane. And Naaman was angry, and he was hurt. And he tells his charioteer, grab the reins, let's go home. Why? The solution just wasn't logical. What was Naaman's thinking? Well, I've come all this way from Syria, from my land to Israel. I stood before the king. Then I traveled on a long and dusty road to visit a prophet. And he doesn't even show me enough respect to come and meet me. So he sends a messenger with an absolute ridiculous and demeaning plan. And now I'm supposed to go to the filthy Jordan River and dunk myself seven times in it? You've got to be joking. And I can only imagine the magnitude of frustration that he was feeling at this point. But as I said at the beginning, Naaman is a picture of ourselves. So if you underline or highlight or take notes in your Bible, underline, take notice of the words Naaman uses in verse 11. Two words, I thought. I thought that Elisha would come to meet me personally. I thought that it would happen completely different. And because it didn't happen as he had thought, he was not only disappointed, but angry. And many people approach God the same way. I thought that if I went to church every week, that God would allow me to make more money this year. I thought that if I was kind to my neighbor, that God would restore the relationship with my kids that has fallen apart over the years. And if that's the way you've been thinking about God's character, it's no wonder that you're hurt, confused, and even angry at God because you expected something different from Him. But at the same time, you need to realize that God expects something different from you that you haven't done. He expects you to obey, whether you understand it, like it, or agree with it. And Naaman expected that Elisha would call on the name of the Lord, put his hand on him, maybe even a little fire from heaven, some singing, dancing, and voila, the leprosy is gone. Well, why did he expect something like that? Don't miss this. In his own eyes, he was someone who was worthy of respect and special treatment. After all, he was Naaman, 
a famous war general, and he showed up at the prophet's door fully confident in his own self-worth. I deserve to be cleansed of my leprosy. He was emotionally prepared for a trade agreement. I'll give you all these riches, and you take away my leprosy. But his conditions for cleansing collided with God's conditions for cleansing, and he just couldn't understand it. To him, there was absolutely no connection between dunking himself seven times in the Jordan and being cleansed of leprosy. So he considered it a waste of time. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to be laughed at by going into that stinking river. That's foolish. After all, I have my reputation. It's just not worth the ridicule. I'm going home. And it's verse 13 that tells us that it was Naaman's soldiers that saved the day. And they asked him a question. General, sir, if the prophet would have asked you to do something incredibly hard in order to be cleansed, wouldn't you have done it? Yes. If he would have said, you have to climb the highest mountain in the world and bring back an ice chunk that's two feet square, wouldn't you have done that? Sure. If he would have said, go kill 10 bears and bring back 10 bearskin rugs, wouldn't you have done that? Well, naturally. If he would have said, you have to build an entire house without using a single tool, wouldn't you have done that? Absolutely. Okay, okay. I know what you're saying. But a dirty river in Israel? I mean, that's just too far over the line. But sir, if you really want to be cleansed, either this man's a prophet or he's not. Go ahead and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. How hard can that be? And by the way, sir, you're right. We don't see a connection either between being cleansed of leprosy and dunking yourself seven times in a dirty river. But if you can set aside your pride, just for a moment, sir, you have nothing to lose. So he says, okay. He dunks himself seven times and he comes out of the river and his skin is like that of a little boy. His leprosy was gone. And Naaman and his army goes back to the prophet's house and there's Elisha standing at the door waiting for him. And he says, now I know that there is no other God than the one in Israel. And if I were Naaman, I would be asking a few questions about now. Like, does everyone who dips seven times in the river get cleansed? And, and how much do I owe you? I mean, how can I pay you back? But he doesn't ask those questions. Because now he understands that what he expected from God isn't what God expected from him. And Naaman expected an understandable explanation from God and Elisha. It wasn't logical to dunk himself seven times in the Jordan. Humanly speaking, it just didn't make any sense. But here's what you need to know. God doesn't owe you or me an explanation because he is the explanation. The reason we obey God is because he's God. No other reason. Not because we have found a good explanation of why things are happening the way they are, but because he is God. And of course, Naaman wants to thank Elisha by giving him the gold and the silver and the clothes, to which Elisha says, no way, you cannot pay me. 
because I didn't do anything. God did it. That's the reason I didn't come out to greet you. That's why I sent a messenger to you. I didn't want you to think that I had anything to do with your cleansing. Because I didn't. God did this, not me. And maybe you see yourself in Naaman today. Maybe you're hesitating to do what God has told you to do. It may not make sense, but if God is prompting you to do it, please obey. And I invite you to obey simply because God is God. And that's all the reason you'll ever need. Maybe you're engaged in something immoral or unethical. Maybe you've just become slack in your relationship with the Lord, and that has spilled over into every single category of your life. You know what to do. You just don't want to do it. Because like Naaman, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem practical. It doesn't seem logical. So let me say it one more time. God doesn't owe you or me an explanation. He is the explanation. And he's waiting for you to obey. Well, thanks for joining in today. If this podcast has helped you in any way, let us know. Download it. Share it with a friend. Give it a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. That will help people find it easier. Stay encouraged and keep reminding yourself, whatever I'm going through, whatever is happening, he is the explanation. You just need to obey. Thanks for joining in. We'll see you next time.